Hello, everyone. My name is Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Myers Detox podcast. Today, we have Dr. David Rabin on the show, and he is going to be talking about a very simple way to reduce stress with a wearable device called the Apollo that he developed. He's a neuroscientist and a, a medical doctor, and really, really good show talking about all the different types of stress that we are under and why meditation and breath work, maybe a hug, only really last to reduce your stress for a, for a few minutes, maybe an hour, and then you're kind of back where you started. And so David developed a really ingenious device that uses frequencies and imparts a frequency on your body, much like music to help change your state, that can help you get into a more wakeful state or a sleep or a meditative state and has about seven, seven different you know, uh, options or settings, depending on what your goals are, to help you dramatically reduce stress and more easily train your nervous system to get into that parasympathetic rest, detox, digest, and even immune state as well. You, you have to be in parasympathetic to have optimal immunity. And so we'll talk more about that. This is uh, Stress is one of the biggest bottlenecks to people getting better. Those of you who have struggled with trying to find out what's going on with you and trying to get better and nothing's really working, one of the very first simple steps that people have to do is get into parasympathetic. But how do you do that easily? Well, an Apollo tracker and many other things that I talk about on the show, uh, I try to give people lots of tips because that is, for me, it, as a clinician working with clients, that is the biggest wrench in uh, people getting better is just not being able to de-stress. So more tips like that and more on the show today. I know some of you listening are you know, trying to find out what your toxic body burden is, uh, how to detox, how to get rid of these toxins, heavy metals and chemicals to reduce your symptoms and uh, you know, get rid of diagnoses even. And I created a very simple quiz called heavymetalsquiz.com where you can take a two minute quiz and then after that you get a free video series that tells you uh, all about your frequently asked questions regards to detox. So, uh, you know, what type of testing should I do for detox? What are the most effective supplements for detox? Where do I start? How long does this take to detox? And so all of those questions are answered and more. So go take the quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, David Rabin, is a MD, PhD, and is a board-certified psychiatrist and translational neuroscientist. He is the chief innovative officer, co-founder, and co-inventor at Apollo Neuroscience, the first scientifically validated wearable system to improve HRV, or heart rate variability, focus, sleep, and access to meditative states by delivering gentle layered vibrations to the skin. Dr. Rabin is helping to organize the world's largest controlled study of psychedelic medications in collaboration with colleagues at Yale, the University of Southern California, Mount Sinai, and MAPS, or the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, to determine the mechanisms of the dramatic therapeutic benefits observed following psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy in treatment-resistant mental illness. 
You can learn more about David and his revolutionary device, the Apollo, at apolloneuro.com. Dr. Raven, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get into the study of treatment-resistant mental illness and wearable technology? So I've always been interested in resilience and I think the question and resilience being like what helps some, a lot of us bounce back from stress, bounce back from challenges and overcome them and grow from challenges rather than being challenged and having the challenge hold us down or hold us back. And I think that, you know, as I went through my medical training and even as a child, I, my, my parents uh, are physicians and and they practice very traditional Western medicine and have helped an enormous number of people. And I saw that, you know, there are always some people who tend to get better and some people who don't. No matter, and you could do everything for, for people sometimes and it's still not going to make much of a dent. And that always fascinated me because when I asked people that question, including my parents, nobody really had a good answer, you know, and the answers were always different. And it made me realize there were a lot of gaps in our knowledge about, you know, what actually makes us resistant to illness, better able to bounce back and better able to recover. And how do we train our bodies and our minds to be at our peak, not only for performance, but also for recovery. And so I'm a psychiatrist and a neuroscientist by training. And I see patients with treatment-resistant um, depression, PTSD, anxiety, and uh, substance use disorders predominantly, and also some folks with chronic pain and traumatic brain injury, because these disorders have always been disorders that typically don't get better with the standard of care in our society that, you know, like the diagnostic uh, manual of DSM that we use in psychiatry, uh, the treatments that are taught that we're, that we're taught are supposed to work typically don't work better than 50% of the time. And as physicians and care providers, we're not trained to deal with futility. We're trained to provide a treatment and then we expect that treatment is going to have some benefit. And when it doesn't, it's not just the patient that's disappointed. We are as well. And we really want to try to help our, our patients and our clients better. And so I started studying chronic stress um, and the chronic stress response because I thought that there was something to do. It really just seemed like chronic stress and the way we cope with stress over time had a lot to do with, and the coping strategies themselves had a lot to do with determining how well we recover. Uh, and so I started evaluating that during my uh, college and graduate work, um, looking at uh, dementia and more physical illnesses, age-related macular degeneration in the eye. And I realized that I learned an incredible amount of the way that our cells work to cope with stress, but I realized also that I really wanted to work with the whole person and that I much preferred working with uh, not just your brain cells, your eye cells, or your neurons or your organs, but the whole, the whole thing. And so that really drove me into studying mental health and with a particular interest in sort of not novel, new, non-invasive treatments that we're promising, like wearable technology in particular is interesting because it is incredible at tracking outcomes and it also has no side effects, right? Or almost no side effects. So unlike opiate medicine or antidepressants, like opiates are extremely addictive and they are impairing to our insight and our judgment, kind of like alcohol and antidepressants can prevent us from having orgasms anymore. And, it's, and they decrease the negatives and the positives, not just one or the other. And I think that, you know, I saw a lot of people suffering with these medicines and suffering from the side effects of the medicine. And I thought, well, 
you know, if people knew that they could try something else that didn't require a medicine, would they do it? And after talking to a lot of people, my patients, my colleagues, I realized that, you know, if we had better alternatives that could provide a benefit without having such a risk of side effects, that most people were quite excited to try them. And so wearable technology really stood out, not just from a standpoint of tracking people's data more effectively and giving them better ways to make decisions, but also as a way to intervene more easily. And so that's where Apollo came from, which was a way to help deliver a stimulation to the body. And this is in the form of a sound wave vibration that um, improves balance in the autonomic nervous system, the stress response and the recovery response system to effectively boost safety signals in the body, which boosts recovery which helps us to improve heart rate variability, which is one of the key measures that most of our wearables track, like the Oura Ring or the Apple Watch or the Whoop or Polar Straps. They all track HRV, heart rate variability, because this has actually been proven to be one of the best measures of our ability to respond to and recover from stress. Yeah, and I think people don't realize how much stress that they're under. I mean, it is just coming at us from all angles. And stress is the number one killer for for a reason and number one cause of chronic health issues and uh, a lot of physical health issues. It's not just about mental health uh, at all. And, And our bodies, when we're experiencing so much stress, we have maladaptive responses to stress or our immune system doesn't respond, respond properly or what have you. And so, so why do so many of us struggle with sleep and, and energy? So how does that come into play here? That's a great question. Um, and I think the first thing to start with is it's, you know, for everyone listening to this podcast, um, you know, it's not your fault that you're stressed out. I think that is the first place to start because when we're stressed and we're not dealing with it well, or we're stressed and we feel really bad about um, feeling stressed, then we shame or guilt ourselves about being stressed out, then that ultimately makes it worse. And it's not about blame and it's not about guilt or shame. It's about all of us are stressed out, right? Everyone is stressed out, particularly right now at a time where we have the threat of a global pandemic going on and there's a lot of uncertainty and so it's really important I think first and foremost to recognize it's not your fault and we all deal with stress in we all deal with it in different ways most of the ways that we deal with stress come from watching other people during our childhood we watch our parents we watch our family members our friends we watch people on tv and movies all of these inputs that are in a lot of ways subconscious because we're not so it's not, some, it's not the same as somebody saying, when you're stressed out, do X, Y, and Z. It's you watch somebody stressed out and then we learn from what we see them do. And sometimes those, those strategies work, but other times they don't. One example would be uh, that we see all the time is when people get stressed out and they, or their kids start screaming or crying and they're upset. And instead of trying to figure out what is the source of the stress or the problem, they give them food right? Or like sweets or something like that. And what happens in those kinds of situations is that instead of the child or the person learning to self-soothe, learning how to understand what's going on in the stress response in that moment, why, what is that stress response? It's a signal to our body that we are struggling with something in that moment, not necessarily over time, but in that moment. And in that moment, when we sense that signal, that's an opportunity not to repress the signal or suppress it, but it's an opportunity to engage with it and to try to figure out 
you know, why am I feeling this way? Not to numb or distract ourselves from it. And I think unfortunately in our society, we're often surrounded by numbing and distracting behavior. Um, that could be anything from alcohol use or, or drug use uh, or medication use to, you know, video games or gambling or any of these things that kind of, you know, take our minds off of the thing that's like really at the core of what's causing us suffering or stress at that time. And what this does is it causes an imbalance in our nervous system. So as our nervous system is really divided into two parts, one of them is the sympathetic fight or flight system. The other one is the parasympathetic rest and digest system. The parasympathetic system is responsible for everything our bodies do to help us thrive and have good lives when we're at rest and feeling safe. So that's digestion, reproduction, sleep, uh, energy recovery, as you were talking about fatigue and sleep, right? Um, creativity, immunity. So when we are stressed out over time, these are the first things to go. The first things that get decreased in priority in our bodies are sleep, creativity, mood regulation. We get irritable, reproduction, uh, digestion. All of these things happen as a result of stress. And heavy metal detoxification, that's like, that is not a priority any longer. Right. Any, it's basically anything that is not directly related to survival in that moment is totally deprioritized. And the way the body interprets survival is actually very reptilian. It's not, it's not as complicated as we often think. The body doesn't know the difference and our, and our fear center and our emotional brain doesn't really know the difference between the perceived threat, for example, with our kids screaming or in traffic, as it does a survival threat that's real, like running out of air or like being running from a lion. Like our body reacts the same way. It diverts all of our blood flow and all of our oxygen energy to our, our skeletal muscles, our heart, our motor cortex of our brain, and the parts of our bodies that are critical for fight or flight right? Survival first. Once we get to a point of survival though, and we're safe and we can establish safety, then we should rapidly see the activity in those parts that we just described decrease and then get rerouted to the reproductive system, the digestive system, the detoxification systems, uh, creativity, all these systems that we want to be active when we're in a safe environment to help maintain, re, you know, reestablish balance in our bodies. Yeah. Um, and I think people also, uh, you know, when they're trying to meet their health goals, they're trying to uh, lose weight or sleep better or detox or whatever they're trying to do, you have to get into that parasympathetic state. And so I, I try to use a lot of different tips and tricks and techniques to quickly and easily get people into that parasympathetic state. Because a lot of people that have tried a lot of different, you know, they go from, you know, uh, protocol, the supplement to program and try to do different things to get better. And it's not that what they're doing isn't correct. It's just that their body isn't in healing and regeneration mode Right. so that what they're doing can actually work. Right. And that's exactly right. I mean, I think you summed it up really well. You know, we, we need to feel safe enough to allow the recovery and the healing systems that we have already hardwired into our bodies to turn on. Because when we're running from a lion or when we're trying to, when we're in our, in our cave or in our tent, you know, historically, and there might be a, a, a predator lurking outside, you don't, we don't want our resources to be in a healing state. We don't want them to be focused on recovery. We want them to be primed to get out of that situation safely. Um, and so that is not something that's unique to humans. It actually goes back probably 
over 300 million years to ancient primordial sea snails that only have three neurons in their brains, which is really critical to understand. And I think this is one of the greatest discoveries in neuroscience that Eric Kandel um, discovered in won the Nobel Prize for in 2002, which is how we build learning and memory in our brains is actually relatively no different than the way these ancient sea snails do it. And the reason that's important is because if we understand how these, cons these mechanisms have been conserved over time, we also understand how to retrain the mechanisms, right? Yeah. And so by exactly what you said, when we can work with people to train them to learn how to turn on the recovery system in the body naturally, whether it's through deep breathing meditation, yoga, biofeedback, strategies like Apollo, even psychedelic medicines used in the proper way might be able to do this. Um, there's lots of different ways to do it. Soothing touch from another human, soothing music, all of these different recovery uh, modalities are critical to establish safety in the body so that we can feel safe enough to allow ourselves to heal. Yeah, and I love that this Apollo device, it's so simple. I'm wearing it right here on my wrist. It's such a simple, simple tool. I'm pro anything that quickly and easily gets people into parasympathetic mode. And you guys, I talk a lot about this on the podcast because that's the biggest kind of roadblock or bottleneck to, for, to people getting well. And they don't realize that we have so many stressors in our environment. We have blue light, we have the EMF from computers and wireless and appliances and in our, in our walls. Um, we have all these expectations to work uh, so many hours and then our kids are after us and then uh, nutritional stress and, and then all those viral threats and all these infections that people are, are dealing with. There's just, it's just layer upon layer upon layer. So- right people are getting sick today because they are stressed. And so tell us about the Apollo tool. Like why is it such a unique tool? So Apollo is unique because it's the first wearable technology that improves heart rate variability, which basically, as you said, rebalances the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, which is something that you talk about a lot. And I really appreciate you talking about that because the more education that, that our communities have about this fundamental way to train our bodies and our minds to be more resilient is critical. I think there's nothing more important than understanding this fundamental balance because most of us are sympathetically up here most of the time. Even people who practice safety techniques on a regular basis like um, meditation or mindfulness or yoga, et cetera, we're still oftentimes out of balance a lot of the time. We don't realize it. Yeah. It's and, not enough to just say, Hey, go meditate. Uh, Cause right. a lot of people, they just, they can't maintain that, that, that feeling. They might get into it temporarily, but they, they can't sustain it. Exactly. And the average meditation or, you know, the average meditation or breath work technique really only lasts for about 15 minutes to an hour after you stop. If you're, you know, a standard practitioner, a soothing touch, for instance, lasts for about 30 minutes to two hours after about 15 minutes of touch. So these are not things that last on an extended level, but the, but the good news is that the more we do them, the longer the effects last and the quicker the effects come on because the body starts to get trained to feel safe in situations that it used to be out of balance in. And so what we are, the reason why Apollo I think is so unique is because up until this point, the major techniques and strategies we've had as clinical providers to be able to share with our community and our clients, our patients, to, to get it back into balance are these things like meditation, deep breathing, mindfulness, biofeedback, float tanks. All of these things are great, 
but they're really hard to do a lot of the time, particularly if you're already stressed out. And very time consuming and expensive. Time consuming. Right. Some of them are expensive. And, you know, I think what we forget is that when we're already in a high sympathetic state, the sympathetic state of fear inhibits our ability to change because it gives us tunnel vision. It prevents us from seeing the forest of the trees. You know, it, we forget that there's so much going on around us that are other choices that we have to make in that moment and other things we can do to establish a sense of certainty and control because we're so focused on that thing that's driving our anxiety in that moment. And I think people too are also kind of addicted to that cortisol and adrenaline. You know, and I've had clients, I'm working with them, giving them minerals or telling them to do certain things that they don't like that. They don't like coming down off of that. They don't like that feeling of relaxation, you know, so I think that can be a throw a wrench in things too. Well, right. I mean, it, well, it, 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 I think that's a great point that you bring up because it really goes back to this idea that that fear and and stress, chronic stress, inhibits our ability to change. It makes us not just afraid of things that are are around us in our day to day lives. It makes us afraid of change itself. And so, what Apollo is and why it's so unique is because it's clinically proven to help facilitate and accelerate the body's ability to change. One of the major metrics that we use for change. And we should to measure the body's ability to adapt really to stress is heart rate variability. And I've mentioned this before because heart rate variability or HRV is the uh, measure of how the heart rate changes in response to the environment. So what we want is, as Bruce Lee says, you know, when stress comes, we detect it early, the heart rate goes up quickly, the blood pressure and and, and breath goes up quickly to feed the body and change resource demand the way we need to get out of that situation, ideally as early and quickly as possible. But then when we go back into a safe environment, we should have the heart rate come down very quickly and the blood pressure and the respiration rate should come down very quickly to reestablish homeostasis and balance to reactivate that recovery, safety recovery system, the parasympathetic system. However, low heart rate variability is the opposite of that. And what we see is people with post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, severe anxiety, chronic pain, insomnia, all these disorders that I focus on quite a bit, they all, all these people have low heart, HRV. And yeah, their foot's like stuck on the gas pedal. They just can't, they can't relax. Right. And they, and so they take longer to ramp up or they're amped up all the time. So they, so they misjudge threat more of the time and they react too quickly to the wrong things. And then when the threat is gone, their body does not recognize it's safe and they stay amped. And they stay amped a lot of the time, which diverts resources or keeps resources diverted away from the parasympathetic system and away from the recovery system. And we see this measured now as low heart rate variability. Whereas our elite athletes, our, our, our elite meditators, our people who are well-practiced and well-versed in self-recovery and healing techniques, these people have an HRV that is somewhere between 100 and, and 200 plus. We don't even know what the peak limit is. Whereas people who have in the depression, PTSD, um, substance use disorder, insomnia, chronic pain range, these people tend to be more in the 40 or less level. And so what we know now is that we have this measure of stress and the effect of uh, stress on the body and recovery on the body. What we saw was what happens if we take people with these conditions and give them some of these techniques like soothing touch, meditation, breath work, Apollo, which delivers and activates the touch receptors in the skin, just like a hug or just like somebody holding your hand on a bad day. And it was scientifically developed by us at the University of Pittsburgh 
and then tested in double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trials to actually vet, verify that it did this, we, th we thought if we figure out basically from mapping how music and touch go from the ears and the skin all the way to the brain and interact with the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system through the emotion pathway, could we replicate that effect with wearable technology? And it turned out after a couple of years of research, we started this in about 2014. And then starting in 2017, we started to get the first results back from our, our big studies. And we found that without a doubt, we actually got the patterns right. And the research showed that when we stimulated the body with these sound waves in a very specific rhythm through the skin, the body recognized it just like a hug from a loved one and almost instantly settled down and almost instantly boosted heart rate variability. And what's more important than that, because the metrics are great, but does that pan out in real life? And what we saw is not only does heart rate variability go up but within three minutes under stress, but we also see that as HRV goes up, cognitive performance under stress goes up. So people have better focus, better attention control in general, better emotion regulation, better ability to bring themselves up or down depending on the demands of the environment, which is exactly what HRV is trying to tell us. And so that is why Apollo is so unique and there's nothing else currently out on the market that can deliver that benefit. Yeah, that, it's just fantastic. It's really interesting. I when I first uh, heard about you, and I I wanted to try the Apollo, and I started wearing it, and I I just had a very very stressful period in my life. I mean, forget coronavirus. I'm kind of over that at this point. I'm I'm done with I'm done with fear. I'm done living in fear and whatnot. But if you want to learn more, go to coronavirussupportseries.com to learn more about all that. In addition to all that and trying to educate people about that, uh, I moved across the country. And, um, and so the Apollo really helped me, uh, you know, just take a deep breath and keep my cool where I might have snapped on numerous occasions because it's just stress upon stress upon stress. So, uh, so I thank you for develop, developing this. And so why don't we give some, some people some tips on um, how to use it? Like, so you have an app uh, that goes with it. Tell us about that. Sure. I could show people this, the way the app works uh, on the screen, but I'll talk through it as well. So if you could, if, I don't know if people can see this, but basically there are, there's a little bit of glare, so I'll just talk through it. But there are seven settings. Um, the settings go from, and, and we are all on our original research team. We were all had a musical background or loved music and recognize the effects of music on our bodies. And we listened to different music when we wanted to wake up and work out and dance and other music when we wanted to calm down and meditate and other music we wanted to help us sleep. And so we started to, we, we realized, I think, intuitively that music in and of itself, when you change the rhythm, when you change the pattern of the music, that it helps ease the body or nudge the body into different states more effectively. And this is something that I think all of us have experienced. It's very common to, to most people who listen to music in their lives. And so we started to analyze the patterns of music and we thought, you know, if I, if I listen to what, you know, what kind of music do people typically listen to when they're trying to meditate versus work out versus party or socialize, et cetera. And we realized the patterns were actually different, particularly in the rhythm section of the music. And so we realized that if you increase the certain components of the speed and the intensity of the music you can generate more and, and it doesn't and the, oh, and the other thing was that the music doesn't have to go through your ears so the music effectively that we it, what we deliver through apollo is effectively these songs that i compose based on the neuroscience of the pathways of touch that's 
like music composed except for your skin sensors instead of for your ear sensors. It's still just music. It's frequency. Um, it's frequency, yeah. And, and so what we found is similar to music as we change the patterns of the vibration to be faster and more intense, it tends to generate a more wakeful experience. And then going, as we gradually brought it down, we could give you a more social experience. We could then go down from there is like more of a sustained focus experience. And then going down from there to like a recovery post-workout or post-intense stress. And then going even down from there, we get into the really deep parasympathetic boosting settings, which are like meditation and mindfulness, which works really great for significantly enhancing calm. It's great for uh, aches and pains. It's great for just generally feeling in like a calm, flow state and then down from there into deep relaxation and then down from there into sleep and from a lot of user testing on about 2,000 people with our prototype technology which we built after the first clinical trials results came back we just asked people and tracked their data and asked them you know how are you using this how is it affecting you and we saw that people were using it for basically these seven purposes yes so yeah I'm going to do a screen share right now what your you have like a little PDF that you uh, give people oh, yeah. where people can, you have a certain setting for energy and waking up. Uh, you said meditation, mindfulness, rebuilding and recover, stay, if they want to stay clear and focused while they're working, social and open. That's party mode. I kept mine on party mode when I was uh, moving and uh, <laughs> relax and unwind and sleep. And so this is great. This is a great little guide. Thank you. Yeah, and it tells you kind of what intensity to put your Apollo at based on what you're you're trying to accomplish or where you you're at in your day. Right, and and it's really personal preference with with intensity and you know how you use it. This is just an example, but um, the nice part about Apollo is that it can't hurt you. And I think that was the main thing that we really wanted to focus on was making a technology that's founded in safety. Because if you have something that's founded in safety, it takes a lot of the disempowerment out of it. It takes a lot of the sense that I require this to make me better. And if I use it too much or too little, it could hurt me. And the real point of it is that this can't hurt you. Um, and we've never seen significant side effects in any of our studies. The, all the frequencies we use are well-founded in literature to not cause side effects at the, at the intensity levels we use. And so that's really great because for people like my patients who are, you know, people who have severe trauma or chronic pain or substance use disorders or elderly folks who can't, aren't good candidates for medicine, pregnant women, children, all of these people are able to use this to great benefit. Um, and that's been really extremely rewarding, particularly when working with the kids. Yeah. And I think people discount the adverse childhood events that they experience growing up. And we all have stuff, we all have things that we deal with that maybe we're not emotionally ready to handle that are traumatizing, mm -hmm. like a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and this has traumatized hundreds of millions of people for sure. And, and what happens when like you're growing up is, you know, your amygdala is, is, you know, that's perceiving threats in your environment is forming and growing it's and learning. can get, yeah, and can get pruned uh, to, if you have a lot of trauma or abuse, whatever kind, to seeing more threats in your environment than, say, the next person who didn't experience that trauma. And so, and these people, like, they're just constantly in this, this stress mode. And I think this would be so helpful for, for so many people that have suffered trauma and abuse in childhood. 
Absolutely. And we have a lot of people, um, and that's originally what we developed it for. Again, we have people of all different backgrounds using this. We have CEOs, elite athletes, uh, fighter pilots, a lot of military folks, and people of all different backgrounds using this. Most people use it aren't actually ill, but we did, when we built it, the whole purpose was let's come up with a better way to treat trauma for kids and adults that we can doesn't require a therapist, right? It doesn't require a pill. It doesn't require someone else to be there with you. It literally is something you could just strap on your body and then it will help you get through the day in kind of the way that, and you might be familiar with cognitive behavioral therapy with exposure works, which is the leading treatment of PTSD, which is basically using safety techniques to boost parasympathetic activity naturally, whether it's through thought or through behavior when we're in situations that used to trigger us into a stressful situation. And, and that's that takes exactly a long, it takes a long time. It's a very difficult practice, but it I, works, I, but yeah, it's very difficult. It does. I mean, I did probably 10 years of talk therapy and, you know, just looking to, to seek self-improvement and, and whatnot and work out the kinks and whatnot. But, you know, it's very expensive. It's not practical. And a lot of people are not consciously aware of how their trauma is affecting them and therefore they can't talk about it because they're not consciously aware of it. So uh, so this things like this are fantastic that address, address things in more ways than one. And so what do you see about the future of wearable technology? Like, What is this role that it may have in medicine coming in the next five to 10 years? That's a, I mean, I really appreciate that question because I think that's a question that a lot of us are asking right now, especially given that the way that we typically used to get medicine or get treatment by going into a doctor's office is kind of going to the, by the wayside. Um, a lot of us are probably trying to avoid going in to get treatment if I, into the doctor's office if it's not an emergency. And I think that, you know, the future of, of healthcare in a lot of ways after this is going to be digital involving like AI and wearable technology, but also psychedelic, you know? And when I say psychedelic, I mean not crazy 70s dance party, but really mind manifesting, which is what the word psychedelic means. And mind manifesting is a really powerful term that, and psychedelic in, in, in general is a very powerful term that is unfortunately only attributed to psychedelic drugs, but it's actually the way that we as therapists work with our patients to heal them or to help them heal themselves. And the way that we do that is my manifesting means bringing things from beneath our awareness. So becoming aware of things in our subconscious beneath our typical level of awareness. These are habits. These are patterns of behavior that we've adopted over time through role models or through you know, watching other people or just through practice because practice makes perfect. And when you practice doing something good or bad, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, you're going to get better at it. And that's what Eric Handel has shown us. And we train every time you practice it, you train those neural pathways to get better at either being stressed out or treating and, and coping with stress. And so that's a very hopeful understanding, I think, of the nervous system in that as we are now understanding that we can retrain the brain, no matter what age you are, we can retrain the brain then this is an incredibly powerful tool that we can start to use artificial intelligence or computer intelligence to learn through wearable technology how the body changes over time in response to the environment and then how the body changes over time in response to things like this, right? And so if I can see that within three minutes, your heart rate variability goes up and your heart rate comes down and your respirations come down by you know, measuring things from an aura ring while you're wearing this or measuring things from other wearables or what have you, then I can effectively 
customize and curate over time how this works for you so that it is delivering to you what you need when you need it, which in, when you think about it is, can be pretty powerful. So the first iteration of this that will be coming is you know, the goal of truly personalized medicine that helps us be more mindfully present with ourselves in whatever moment we're in so that we can recognize what is beneath our level of awareness, what are these habits and these things that we've been doing for a long time that may no longer be serving us, bring those up into our level of awareness, our conscious awareness, so that we can process them, work through them and understand we actually have a choice about whether we're doing this or not. And that is, I think, where the future of medicine is going and it's going to be very personalized. Medications themselves are not easy to personalize, but with technology, when we start to understand, hey, I can send this signal to your body and this signal helps you stay asleep and this signal helps wake you up, then I can automatically start to understand over time. And again, this is something that's going to be probably a six months to 12 months before the first versions of it come out with Apollo. But, you know, starting to understand just as an example, what your body looks like when you're waking up from sleep and having, you know, poor sleep versus having restful sleep. And when you start to move in such a way that results in you looking like you're about to wake up in the middle of the night, we can send a signal to your Apollo that turns it on to help you fall back asleep before you even know you're waking up right? What an incredible tool. And there's nothing like it out there that can do that. But that's all because of constructive artificial intelligence that's literally personalizing medicine for us on the go. And I think this is really where medicine is going to be moving in the future, because over time, these techniques will train the body just like breathwork or meditation to understand how we can you know, improve our wellness and our well-being on our own. Yeah, I just love biohacking. It's so exciting because I've been tracking things with my aura ring and, you know, just kind of figure out what what my body responds to, how much sleep I'm getting, how much deep sleep and and where where my stress levels play into all this and my, you know, compulsive eating or low blood sugar because you didn't get enough sleep. And so, you know, all these things have a, you know, profound impacts on our behaviors and addictions and 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 whatnot that uh how we how we deal with stress and so it's really important i think for people to start tracking this stuff and use these super super simple tools that just pack into our kind of primal brain to uh, for our benefit um, so tell us where can we get one of the, the apollo tracker you can get apollo at apolloneuro.com or apolloneuroscience.com that's a p o l l o N-E-U-R-O.com. And I will say that Apollo doesn't track much right now, but it will start to track more over time as the the artificial intelligence component of it gets developed. We're actually working on that now. So we're hoping that within about three to six months, we'll start to be tracking your activity and your sleep, but we'll also be intaking data from Aura Ring and from other wearables that will be assistance trackers and also your mobile phone. So the nice thing about Apollo is it's kind of like the Tesla model. It will evolve over time to become a better user experience as you use it. It's not going to stay the same. As you use it, we see people change, right? So as people change, we want to change with them and grow with them and facilitate that growth. And so I think that's going to be really amazing to see over time how medicine shifts, particularly in light of the challenges we're facing today. Right, well, fantastic. Well, Dr. Raven, thank you so much for coming on the show. And everyone, thanks so much for joining us for the Myers Detox podcast, where we cover all types of topics 
related to stress and diet and detoxification and tools, simple tools like the Apollo to help you live a better life. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.